0: Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com.
1: Talking to someone that you trust that is doing well in the industry helps That individual to step outside their comfort zone. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast.
0: Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff.
2: Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm your host, Ash Patel. Today's episode is brought to you by Brasario Ventures, a private equity real estate firm Based in the booming Austin, Texas market to learn how you can invest in the future of Texas with Presario Ventures, please visit info.presarioventures.com forward slash best ever, or click on the link in the show notes. Today's guest, Diana Lynn. Diana is joining us from Dallas, Texas. She is a partner at Navi Ventures, where she is focused on acquisitions and asset management of value-add and ground-up multifamily developments in Texas, Arizona, and New Mexico. Diana's portfolio consists of being a GP on almost 700 units, an LP on over 1,000 units, and 150 units of ground-up construction in multifamily. Diana, thank you for joining us, and how are you today?
1: Hi, Ash. Thank you for having me. I'm good.
2: If you would, give the best ever listeners a little bit about your background and what you're focused on now.
1: Yeah. So right now I'm currently doing real estate investing full time. Prior to going into real estate, I was a practicing architect. So I still have my license, just in case this real estate don't work out for me. (laughs) But I started off as an architect and worked for about 10 years. And when I first got started, I actually went to China. I worked there for about two years because at the time I graduated, it was in the midst of recession. So it was impossible to find a job in real estate or in architecture in general. So China was, had a, a lot of opportunity for building and designing. And so China was a place that I was there for my first two years at a graduation. Afterwards I came back to Texas where my hometown. I went to Houston first for about a year and then I found myself in Dallas because my husband's actually born and raised in Dallas, so I kinda found myself in this city of Dallas. Practiced for another couple of years until I got more into real estate investing and gradually transitioned over to doing it full time. So our company is called Navi Ventures. It's a company that my husband and I started. We started investing in real estate in 2018, and we were passively investing first in multifamily deals. So we invested in a handful of deals until 2021, when there was a couple of deals that actually went full cycle, and we saw the power of real estate and decided to go into it, at least for myself, full-time so in twenty twenty one is when we started looking for deals to sponsor ourselves instead of being a passive investor, and we found a deal in arizona a twenty two unit deal and that was our first multifamily deal that we sponsored with a partner of ours and we slowly started to gain some more properties over the past few years so Right now, those type of deals that we were sponsoring, they're more in the multifamily value-add space. So there are existing properties that we find and then we improve it. And then after three to five years, we sell it and give the returns back to our investors. Currently, we are still doing multifamily value-add, but we are looking more into the development space as well as land entitlement. So we're expanding our reach. I think for me, naturally, as an architect, I've always been gravitated toward the development sector because I like building stuff from scratch. So the multifamily passive investing is really sort of a stepping stone to get more into the goal of development.
2: Got it. A lot of questions. You are very high in demand. Actually, you're very high in demand now as an architect, but you found your calling with commercial real estate the twenty two unit deal in Arizona do you still own that today?
1: Yes, we're still in okay. operation.
2: What was the purchase price? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, it was three point four million dollars
2: and were you able to raise rents on that property?
1: Yes, quite a bit actually. The original rent was about nine hundred dollars and we were able to bump it up up to thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars.
2: You've done the renovations by now on all the properties.
1: Yes. So the CapEx has been done after six to
2: Why to not month. sell it now?
1: The market is not quite ready for us to sell it. We're in a situation in the market where there is a cap rate expansion. The rent has kind of plateaued a little bit. We can't quite bump it up as much. We have shopped around for some buyers to bid on it, but we decided that it was not quite ready to sell. So we're still holding on to it. It's still cash flows. So we're not in a hurry. To do you sell. have
2: fixed debt on that property? Yes, we do. Well, let's dive into that for a second. Interest rates are going to continue to rise and rents have plateaued. And even in some of the hottest markets, they're starting to decline. So how is this going to get better? Why not sell today versus further cap rate expansion, reduction in rents and less buyers out there?
1: Right. So the idea is that we had it locked in at a pretty good rate relative to now. So if we are to sell it and to try to find deals that be able to get that similar return, a little bit more difficult. Also, the fact that capital is a little bit harder to raise. So we kind of took all that in account and we want to wait and see what kind of better opportunities are out there in terms of Diana,
2: you have investors on this deal, correct? Was there a timeline in which you proposed that they would get their money back? Because in 2021, the name of the game was three to five years and you get your money back. So have you had that conversation with investors where, look, this may not be the ideal time to sell, but we're cash flowing. So are you okay with extending this timeline?
1: Yeah. We actually haven't had a conversation with our investors in terms of We haven't had investors ask us about selling now rather than later. We bought it November of 2021. So really it's only been two years. What we did tell our investors when we were raising the money is that it could be between three to five years hold. But to be conservative, we tell our investors to expect a five-year hold. And right now it seems more likely it would be a five-year hold, depending on where the market is now, right? Because we're always monitoring where it's going, but at the moment it doesn't seem like the right time to sell.
2: Diana, how often do you communicate with investors?
1: We communicate them on a monthly basis. So we have monthly updates that we write up toward the end of the month and we shoot it out to our investors. That sort of keeps them in the loop and understanding about the current performance of the property, the projection and the reason why a certain expense is high or income is low. So we like to keep our investors informed on what our property is doing.
2: That's a lot of detail.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. We have the total expense list out. We have the total income listed out. And we also have the NOI and also the year to date NOI because we have a budget that we work with our investors. So we compare that as the metrics of what we're expecting for the performance of the property. So that helps keep our investors informed and we haven't had any complaints about being overly detailed. No, and you're not <laughs> going to get
2: complaints. I think that's great. I applaud you for that. You have a co-sponsor on this deal. Can you explain the dynamics between you and the co-sponsor?
1: Yeah, it depends on the deal because right on now we're in- On this
2: 22 unit. Oh, first yes.
1: deal, yes. Uh, uh-huh, yeah. So I wouldn't call them co-sponsors. They're kind of partners because I think in, in syndication world, co-sponsors has a different title, I believe. But anyways, there are general partners. They're actually more experienced partner that we lean on. So because this is our first deal, we did not plan on doing it ourselves because our experience really before our 22 unit deal, we were experienced as a passive investor, but we didn't have any experience as an operator. We knew that in order for us to learn how to be a general partner and to be fair to our investors as well, that we're going to need to find experienced partners to help us understand the whole process and make sure that we're not making too many mistakes. So we had a partner that was way more experienced than we were to basically work with us on this deal. So if it wasn't for them, we never would have gotten this deal.
2: Who found the deal? Our partner. Okay. Okay. What did you give up to partner with this entity?
1: Because we came in with limited experience and they came in with a lot more experience, we definitely had to give up. I wouldn't say give up, but to say have smaller shares as a GP. Instead of 50-50, they would have a bigger cut and we have a smaller cut. And we were completely fine with that because we knew that we were learning and we can offer From our expertise, we raise the bulk of the money and we also are pretty much the active asset managers for the property. They don't have to be as involved because they can focus on larger projects. Like my background as an architect and then there's my husband who's a partner at Navi Ventures. He's a real estate lawyer. So we both have fairly technical backgrounds that relate to real estate. So we're able to leverage our experience to offer a lot more to the table than if it wasn't anything related to real estate.
2: And that's a great outlook. Do whatever it takes to be able to learn from more experienced partners. So again, great work on that. Great outlook on the deal. I'll give up whatever as long as I can learn and I can level up from this group that's been doing it for much longer. Great. Look, we just got to 22 units and you've got a total of 648 units that you're a GP on. Give us a bit of an overview on that progression.
1: It was a big jump from our first deal to our second deal. We had a second deal that we sponsored, which is half a year later. It was same partner, but different deal. And it's in the Tucson market. We were already partners with the same partner on a 22-unit deal. And then they had this other larger deal, which is a 232-unit deal in Tucson. So we partnered with them on that deal to raise money and also for investor relation. And we knew that because we've already worked with them before on our first deal, that we trusted them already to be able to run this deal pretty well. 22 unit deal, Navi Ventures and my partner were both lead sponsors. And this Tucson deal is a 232 unit deal, big difference still not at the level of being able to handle that capacity yet but our partner was the lead sponsor on that so we knew based on our working relationship that they knew what they're doing so we knew based on that that we wanted to partner with them on this deal so that was our second deal and then on our third deal is actually in dallas same partner different partners and what's interesting about that is Going back, our first and second deal, we were partnered with the same group, and they also had their own networking and mastermind that we were part of. Through that network and group that we were part of, we were asked to partner with a group that was also part of that mastermind. So the third one is a 150-unit deal in Dallas, and that was from networking and getting to know these people pretty well. So we recently closed on 152-unit deal this year in March. So we're in the process of stabilizing that one. Diana, on the second deal that
2: you've done, the one in Tucson, what did you bring to the table?
1: What we brought to the table was kind of similar to the first one, which is raising capital. So it's a little bit more limited capacity because we're not going to be doing a lot of work, which is the bulk of um, like So that's our involvement is to raise capital and then still be part of the monthly calls. But our lead sponsor is the one who's running the ship.
2: So one of your values seems to be that you're great at raising capital. What's your secret to raising capital?
1: The secret really is the people that trust you and know you the most are those that will invest with you. So a funny story is when we were starting to invest in 2018 for about three years, By 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, we were mostly investing as a passive investor. So we didn't really put ourselves out there that we were going to sponsor a deal or anything like that. We had no sort of advertising or platform of any sort. But when we shifted it in twenty twenty one to start to look for deals as a general partner is when we had to start to tell people that we're in this position now. so when we had an existing investor database that we never really cultivated the relationship too deeply, even when we reached out to that investor database, there was not much response, but it's really the people that Knew us well are those that ends up investing with you. So that was kind of an experience that we had, and really what we heard from others as well is the first deal is going to be the toughest because it's your first deal. Yeah, and
2: it's, it's, it's wait a minute, Diana. I thought you were an architect. Now you're a real <laughs> estate entrepreneur. What's going on? So you got to yeah, explain yeah, exactly. that, right?
1: Yeah, you're not I, out there telling people you're doing real estate. You're telling people you're an architect, and suddenly you come out of the blue. Oh, you're raising capital for this multifamily deal, what do you know? Right. So and your husband's kind of, a lawyer.
2: Yeah. So wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You the exactly. Architect and lawyer? Now they're raising money? Exactly. Good. So you had to have those conversations.
1: Exactly. So we didn't quite prepare them of letting them know that we've shifted this direction. So that's kind of an insight and lesson learned that we wish we did sooner than later. So the first deal that was mostly friends and family. Then when we were out there a little bit longer networking and talking to people, we started to field different investors outside of the family friend circuit.
2: How did you have that conversation? You said you wish that you had done that sooner. Did you send out a newsletter? Was it emails?
1: What they say is never start raising capital when you need it, right? So you got to build that relationship even prior to raising capital, maintaining and touching base with your investors every other month. Even though that may take time, it's essential to get in touch with them to understand what their investment goals are or what their pain points are, having that tough conversation and looking out for those type of deals that meets their need.
0: We'll get back to the show. with First, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you a real estate investor struggling to streamline your property management? Are you tired of juggling multiple systems to effectively manage your portfolio? Meet Rentec Direct, your ultimate solution for automating management tasks, reducing errors, and most importantly, saving you time. Rentec Direct offers an all in one platform for accounting, marketing, tenant screening, rent collection, and much more. And the best part? You're never alone. With US based live support and award winning customer service, Rentec Direct is the partner you need to streamline your property management so you can focus on what's most important growing your business and getting more deals done. If you're an investor looking to grow your portfolio, join the more than 15,000 investors and landlords who manage real estate assets totaling more than $200 billion using Rentec Direct. Just go to rentechdirect.com forward slash best ever and sign up for a free trial. Plans start at just $45 a month and you'll receive 20% off your first year just for being a best ever listener. That's R-E-N-T-E-C direct.com forward slash best ever for 20% off.
2: One of the best referrals is from existing investors. Are you doing anything to cultivate your investors, bringing you their friends and family and colleagues? as additional investors.
1: Yeah, we definitely are looking to lean more heavily on that to ask for referrals. We haven't had to do that earlier this year, but that is something that we look forward to actually doing this year.
2: Got it. Ground-up development and multifamily, is that something you're doing now?
1: Yes, we're actively looking for deals for ground-up multifamily and also have one project in the work that we're focusing on. So there is one that we're working on.
2: What about buying existing value add? That's your bread and butter, right? That's what got you where you are today. Yes, exactly. How's the search for that?
1: Oh man, it's tough. It's tough. (laughs) But we're optimistic because everyone says stay patient because there's going to be a lot more deals coming up in the next few months because of distressed properties. So we're still on the lookout for distressed properties. But in the meantime, if there isn't good deals in existing field, then we'll just build it (laughs) ourselves.
2: Okay. Can I push back a little bit? Sure. Okay. You've got a great mindset with pivoting. I mean, you went to China because you couldn't find an architect job in the States. And here you are, the existing deals on multifamily are not penciling out. They're not meeting your standards and the standards of most investors. So you're looking at either waiting until there's some distress out there, but I feel like everybody is sitting on the sidelines waiting. And there's a lot of large syndicators that are already creating a rescue fund or a distress fund, where as soon as there's some properties that are hurting, not even foreclosure, just a little bit of distress, they're going to pounce in and take them down. So yes, deals are difficult to find today, but I think when you start seeing distressed deals, there's going to be that same level of competition from people sitting on the sidelines. So what can you do to pivot? I get the building of new multifamily, and I feel like there's a fair amount of headwind in that as well. Construction costs, variable rate loans, especially on construction, because you can't get a fixed loan for the build. It's at the mercy of what the market is. And then with the Fed continuing to increase rates, who knows what the underwriting model looks like on the new construction. Now, I think new construction makes a lot of sense when rents are continuing to rise and cap rates are continuing to fall. So what can you do to pivot even more than you're doing now?
1: That's a great question. Those are all very valid concerns. And it really is to... Dig in deep to find deals that works in a creative way, so interestingly enough, same situation, the ground up development deal that I'm working on is also partnered with an experienced developer because that's been our business model. Always partner with those that know more than you because the experienced partner has a deep relationship with the banks and also have. Really good insight on the market. Being able to leverage that and to make a deal pencil is critical. So, leaning on more experienced real estate developers or syndicators, I think would be pretty key in being able to find deals. And you're saying what you touch upon is the interest rate being pretty high for traditional banks, but there are ways to make deals pencil with maybe not established bank, maybe having a deal struck with uh, private lenders, because there is still a lot of capital out there. There's a lot of dry powders being built up. And these private equity companies are needing deals to place their capital. So they're working with the general partners or developers to work with them and make the deal work. So even though it is true that, It is hard to find deals because it's competitive. I do believe in continuing to look in, continuing to build your relationship and lean on someone experienced, then a good deal would pop up.
2: I agree with you. If I understand your business model correctly, it's you partner with either developers or syndicators who have great deals and you add value everywhere you can whether it's expertise, experience, or bringing investor capital to the table. Is that right?
1: Yeah. We are working with this in final for now until we feel confident enough that we would be able to handle deals on our own.
2: Have you considered partnering with people in the medical space or industrial or fast food or triple net properties?
1: So partnering with medical professionals. As Sorry, not medical a,
2: professionals, but people that either buy or build medical doctor's offices or medical facilities.
1: That's a good question. But because we're focused on more of the multifamily assets, we know the multifamily investment space pretty well or how to underwrite. So we kind of stick to our lane. And if we try to branch out into multiple asset types, then we're going to not stay focused. So we want to stay in our lane and get really good at it. And then once we're comfortable with it, then we can branch out and expand on that.
2: I feel like that's an excuse.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And if (laughs) if there are really good opportunities out there, I'm not going to say no. Yeah.
2: Look, you understand real estate and now you even understand development. So I don't think it's that difficult to pivot and learn industrial, learn flex, learn medical, learn triple net retail. Sorry, I like to push back. So you've, again, got a great mindset. You've pivoted, went across the world, you've pushed yourself. So I would love to see you continuing to push yourself and open your horizons to different asset classes. Just put it in the back of your mind, put it in your pocket and just toss it around your head a little bit and Just see if that's something you'd be interested in and then go out and find. I mean, I think it's
1: definitely a good advice to kind of push yourself outside of your comfort zone.
2: Yeah. Maybe find a developer who's done multifamily and maybe some flex space where the first floor was retail apartments above it. And that's a good transition for multifamily people to get into commercial. And with your architecture background, there are some incredible class A flex buildings with retail on the first floor maybe even some parking below that and apartments above it. And it's a great niche that I'm sure you can learn very easily.
1: Oh yeah, uh, for sure. So just, I think that type of model is something I'm definitely interested in to have that sort of mixed use development.
2: Yeah. I would love to see you add all of these assets to your arsenal. So you're not hyper-focused on multifamily. And if multifamily ever comes back with the high returns and less competition, by all means, go into that all in on multifamily. But while there might be other asset classes that are highly sought after and highly profitable, I think you owe it to yourself to explore those. And this goes for all the best ever listeners. This is nothing new that I'm saying. I've always tried to push people into looking at every piece of real estate as a potential deal.
1: Mm -hmm. Exploring to different asset types will take a lot of educating. So that's kind of what we did for multifamily. We learned first before doing but doing is also learning. So I completely agree with you, Ash, is to keep your mind open and explore different avenues of investing and not just one, but also continue to educate yourself on how to analyze these deals.
2: Yeah. And sorry, I'll stop on my soapbox here, but Diana, you've had an incredible run in a very short amount of time. What do you think one of the keys to your success was?
1: One of the keys that I think helped me is to, I would always say this, and it's really relationship and all the deals that we're part of is not possible without relationship. So education is definitely important, but relationship is, to me, even more.
2: The other end of that question is, although you've been very successful Do you ever look back and think, if I had done A, B, or C, I could have been a lot further ahead?
1: Yes, for sure.
2: (laughs) What, What are some of those things?
1: I wish I was more open to investing sooner than later. And I still remember this experience, but I have a twin sister, by the way, and she's also in real estate. So she was pushing me to start buying some single family rentals because she was buying a couple on her own. So my mindset at that time was, no, I'm not ready. I still need to wait and build up my savings. Real estate sounded risky, but it was the unknown and fear that held me back. If I were to really deep dive and learn more about how to do it, then it wouldn't be as scary. And you're never going to know everything before you start doing a deal. So to me, you learn the most by just doing. But don't do it blindly. You still have to have guidance and be smart about it. So I wished that I invested sooner than later, but it was also a mutual decision between my husband and I. I needed him to be on board before we started investing. So once we both were ready, then we started investing. But if we were to had that decision earlier, I feel like we would have been a little bit further. So that's kind of a lesson for us.
2: Yeah. The fear, it's held me, I mean, it's cost me years and years. Is there something that you do or Is there advice you would give to somebody that's too scared to get involved? Maybe they're too scared to level up. They want to stick to their single family houses and they don't want to buy a four family because they're scared. They don't know about apartments. What would your advice be to help them overcome that fear?
1: I think that talking to someone that you trust that is doing well in the industry helps that individual to step outside their comfort zone. If it's someone that they are not that familiar, that is someone they just saw online, there's not going to be a trust factor. But once there's that trust established and the value and content that they provide is helpful and applies to them, then it helps that individual step outside the comfort zone and do it because of that trust. It's like, okay, you're not... That scam artist that I think you are, you're actually someone trustworthy and know what you're doing, and you're pretty successful at that.
2: I love that. And best ever listeners, please, we all have some fear that's holding us back in some way. It might not be real estate related or investing related, but that was great advice. And thank you for sharing that. So listen to that again. Hit that 30 second rewind button. That was great advice on conquering fear. What is your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: Oh, man. (laughs) Best real estate investing advice. Trust, but verify.
2: (laughs) Got it. Diana, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah. That was a confident. Yeah. That was a a question. (laughs) So the first question, who's the favorite? You or your twin sister? Don't answer that. I'm kidding. Don't answer that. (laughs) Okay. Lightning round. What's the best ever book you recently read?
1: I just recently finished reading The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. It's awesome. The idea of just giving instead of thinking about yourself. Giving would have so much more outsized return than you can ever imagine. So I just knew it was kind of there, but to have it written in a book to verify that is pretty impactful.
2: And anybody who's followed that advice will attest to the fact that it works. Diana, what's the best ever way you like to give back?
1: Best ever way I like to give back is when I talk to people, I try my best to help connect them to, to their goal or to what they need. So that helped me get to where I am is through connections. So what I like to do now is always ask even strangers, what can I do to help you? So... Providing connections or referrals or businesses that would help them get to the next step.
2: Diana, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you?
1: Through my email, it's diana at Navi Ventures.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. I post occasionally, so please give me a follow.
2: Diana, thank you for your time today and sharing a pretty cool journey. 2008, couldn't find a job in the States as an architect went all the way to China and just a lot of pivots there. And thank you for being so open with your entire journey. We really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Ash, for giving me your time too.